Welcome to the Dent Report. I am your host, Andy Ruther, with my co-host, bringing it back. We're going to end the show the way we started, the one and only, Matty Goldberg. How you doing, Andy? How you doing, everybody listening? Uh, let's end with a shebang. A long time in the making, or a I long know. time in the working, Maddie. It's it's very hard because the last time I saw you was March 11th, and we went to a hockey game. And I mean, could you predict? I mean, personally, and just the the world, what has happened in no. those six months, no. or seven months, eight months? Yeah, insanity. Was and that... and doesn't it feel like it was ten years ago? What's been yeah, what's been weird about this year is that it feels like it was so long ago but also last week. Exactly. Like I we met I met Nick D'Alessandro that night and he's a great guy and I feel like I met him like 20 years ago. Yeah. Was that Mar- I think it was March 12th. No, it was March 11th because it was my niece's birthday. So it was the 11th, okay. Yeah, it was a Thursday. I did the dent report. I said that COVID wasn't going to be a big deal. Dirty sports it, you did. Yeah, dirty sports. And then we go to the hockey game. We're at this weird restaurant. It's like a Hooters. Tilted Kilt. Yeah, it was Wednesday, March 11th. Some hotties there. I was a little jealous because the one girl was uh, into, said she liked Nick's glasses, so I was pissed. And we're like sitting there, and they're like, Oklahoma City versus Utah got canceled. And then they say Rudy Gobert got COVID. And then Tom Hanks got COVID. And I was sitting at the hockey game. I'm like, oh, shit. It's on. Yeah. And I thought Rudy Gobert was going to die. And, you know, he's still playing basketball. Sure. But well, it's, it's intense times. Yeah. I mean, I don't think any of us saw this. No. I guess some people did. Yeah. I mean, my little sister was, like, re- watching some podcast when they're talking about Italy because Italy got it. A lot worse first. Yeah. And they're like, what's going on in Italy is going to come to America in about a week. And I'm like, no, it's not. You know, because you're just hoping against hope because you know how awful and terrible it is. And then, like, for yourself, personally, I mean, it's it's brutal. It's it's awful. Yeah. It's, uh, it's really just a, just a really bad awful thing that it does to people mm-hmm. and, and and i want to share this you know after my dad passed away the doctor said above anything that he's ever witnessed as a doctor as far as diseases yeah. viruses cancer mm. he's never seen anything like covid what it does to the human body so like aggressively just it destroys your lungs. Yes. Mm. So think about that. Think, yep. I, I just want that to sit in for everybody. So when a doctor says, I've never seen anything like what this does to the body, and think about all the awful things out there. Yeah. It's, it's real, man. And obviously I'm, I'm dealing with it you know, firsthand, and uh, it sucks. It yeah, really man, sucks. I don't – God, I mean, like, when you were in Cincinnati, one of the things I was enjoying was – your Walt videos and yeah, they were a lot of fun. They were very funny, and you guys seem like it's a tough time for him because he lost his wife. How long was your parents married? 
They were married almost 50 years. This Jesus. would have been 50 years this year. So I thought it was just really beautiful that you kind of went home and because, you know, you need somebody there, you know, and I felt like you guys were having a lot of fun and it's it's a weird world that just insane shit happens and you just don't expect it, you know? Like, I, I, I just, uh, I'm just, I'm just deeply sorry for you and... You know, I just, I don't know what else to say. And just, it's its just crazy that you lost both of your parents in a year. And I don't, I don't even know what else to say. It's all right, man. Uh, th- there's really not much to say. Uh, it was, it was a good three months for me. It was a great three months, I should say. Yeah. Being home. Uh, you know, I, I, I keep telling people that. You all right? Yeah, yeah. I'll be all right. I'm, you know, I might be crying. I some. didn't mean to make you cry. No, no, no. It's all right. It's all right. This I've is never, I've never seen you cry before. I cry a lot now. I'm sure. I've cried a lot. I've cried. I've cried more this year. It's, it, it's crazy when you deal with loss and mourning. Yeah, absolutely. You, you think you've dealt with it. Yep. Multiple times. Yeah. You think you can't cry more? Oh, but you can. Yeah, I know you how much how close you were to your father too. I mean, he, you guys had this really cool relationship. You were really close to your mother, and I'm I don't know. I'm just. My, oh, so my mom. Here's the thing. My mom was probably my best friend, and I and I've yeah. I, I've come to realize that. No, uh, I I noticed that. Like she she knew. She had your back. She knew everything about yeah. me. Like everything. She had your back. And I'll be honest. I don't mean to. I hope this doesn't insult you. No. But you're a little different than your brothers. Like your brothers took more of the more like traditional route of like dentist, military, stuff like that. You know, family, kids. And you're out in L.A. You're doing comedy. You got this podcast. You live in Venice by the beach. You know, for parents in Cincinnati, it's like, what is this Andy doing? You know, why can't he be like the brothers who have, like, more of a normal life in Cincinnati? And I think your mom always is like, no, man, Andy's doing his thing. And she loved coming out here and doing the, the uh, the was marathons, half marathons? Yeah, just we did yearly trips somewhere in California. And I, and I felt like she always, like, just had your back. And whereas maybe your brother's were a little tough on you because you didn't really take the traditional route of life. She always w- had your back. She I, did. I could feel that. Well, I mean, that's good intuition by you because she did. Yeah. She didn't always understand it. Yeah. She might not have always supported some of my humor or some of the methods I would, you know, do yep. things. Sure. But she always supported me, man. And, and my dad, too. I think my dad was even more perplexed by what I was doing, but my mom always, dude, she, she was such a good woman. And she would love coming out here, which was really cool. I mean, yeah. we wouldn't want to come out to Cali, but I could, I could just tell you guys had this, you know, it's, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's, it was really cool to see videos of our stories of you guys together. I mean, I think Instagram is something where we show, like, what we're really proud of, you know? And I think one of the things you love showing was, like, you and your mom together, like, in Santa Barbara or up in San Luis Obispo and places like that. And 
it was always like really sweet to you, you know? Yeah, we, we just we just had so much fun. I mean, I, I joked at her eulogy. I said I would do trips with my mom that people do with their girlfriends or wives. Like that was kind of our relationship that we did fun road trips together. Yeah. And we talked about whatever, the car rides. Like I could talk to my mom about anything. I mean, uh, yeah, anything. Yeah. yeah. And, and, you know, a lot of people can't do that with their parents. No. But I, we could talk about anything. And my mom had her convictions and she had her opinions. But she was always ready to listen and talk with things or about subjects we might not agree with, right? But she was always good to have the conversation. And, and I think that's why we got along so well. Yep. Because, you know, I look back on it, I didn't really fight with my parents, Maddie, and, and I'm lucky. Yeah. Like, my whole life. And, you know, you go through your things at times, mm -hmm. but I've obviously reflected a lot yeah. this year. I journal all the time now. Obviously, mm. I go to therapy. Yeah. All those things. Like, I had a really good relationship with both my parents, and, I, and that's obviously why it's been so hard for me. Um, because you just don't expect stuff like this to happen. No, it's going to be a very hard, well, just your whole life, but the next two years will be extremely surreal. Like when you go back to Cincinnati, if you move back to your house, I mean, it's, it's going to be so bizarre not seeing him there. Yeah. I mean, your whole life. Yeah. You've lived in the same house your whole life, correct? Yes. Like when you grew up. I yeah. mean, it's just going to be odd, like just you know, waking up in the morning or a Saturday afternoon and not seeing them around. And I think your brothers are cool. I've, I've, I've heard them talk. I mean, they're tough on you. So they'll, they'll be there for you and you know, you'll be there for them. And it's here's, here's the thing. My brothers are tough, but they are, they're really supportive too. Oh yeah. I mean, and, I, and yeah. And they know, they know how hard this is going to be on me. Yep. Like, because I don't, they all have families. Exactly. They got kids. They got wives to deal with. So, like, that's why this summer was so great because my dad and I, we had each other. Everybody mm. always says, oh, it's great you were there for your dad. And I always say that. That went both ways. Of course. That was reciprocal. Yeah. My dad was there for me when I needed it just as much Um that whole process after my mom passed away, the two weeks I was home in January, then when I came back because of the pandemic, you know, we were there for each other. Yep. And, you know, my brothers are going to be there and I know they know, like, the funeral was really tough for me when it started. Was it like a, a live funeral or? It, it was. That's good. And and I was I was proud that, you know, they had to seat every other row. Yeah. But... I'd say probably still 150 to 175 people came out. So there was still good support. The bowling team? Uh, there were some of the bowlers out there. Nice, nice. Uh, but it was really tough for me at first. I mean, I always think about, like, what COVID has done. I mean, there's deaths, but I, I think about your dad and later in his life. And there's, like, you know, there's things that he enjoys. And I always like, damn, he can't go bowling anymore. Like, you know, that's, like, what yeah. you live for. Well, look, man, 
I, you know, I said this on Dirty Sports. Yeah. You have to find silver linings. Because well, I got a question for you. I got yeah, a go for one. it. What's next for Andy Ruther? Like, personally. Like, let me throw you. I know you're very vulnerable and sensitive right now, but you feel like you want to meet a woman and settle down? or you? you I think that would be good for you right now. It's funny you say that. I, I was just writing today to myself. I think now more than ever, I am I am ready to be a father. Wow. It I just thought a girlfriend. We're going we're going three steps ahead. Well hold on. That doesn't mean I'm gonna be a dad in the next twelve months or the next twenty four months. All it means is everything I've gone through, seeing how important my relationship was with both my parents. Yep. I I think that would be like bring so much joy to me. Luckily I have, that's one of the reasons I'm moving back. I have seven nephews and nieces yeah. and six of them are between the ages of two to eight, which yeah. I always say is a great age. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. Like I just moved. I don't know if you guys know, I moved out of the house, the path built. I live maybe five minutes away and now I live near my younger sister and she has a three-year-old and he's a lot of fun. He's learning about football and I'm kind of passing the torch where I help with my niece now it's my nephew, and you know, I it's easy. Like being the uncle is fun, you know. Because You're right. Yeah. You, you don't got to put him to bed. You don't got to get him to eat. No. He comes in. He asks for an Oreo cookie. I give him an Oreo. He loves me. I I don't have to like tell him like, no, you got to eat your vegetables, you know. Sure. But I, I, I think for you, I mean, yeah, I I'd, I'd love to see you get married, and you know, I I've I've known you many years, so it's like. I've known the crazy Andy. I've seen the drunk Andy. I've seen, you know, Andy who wants to stir the pot up, you know, and I, I feel like you've come a long way, you know, <laughs> like, like life is tough sometimes. And, you know, you were, you were maturing anyway, you know? Well, thanks. Look, and I'm still a lot of those things still were, you know, we're like onions. You just keep peeling layers back yeah. and we're all those pieces. Sure. Again, I'm not saying I have to have kids right now. I think I, I'm probably more ready after what I've been through this last year. But what the plan is for me right now is mm. I am going to go back yep. and live at the house I grew up. And, 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 and look, it might be hard at times, and it, but here's the thing. Here's, yep. the, here's the thing. I find peace even though my parents aren't there, and I know what you're saying, and there are days where it sucks. It's going to be surreal. I mean, look, I was home. My dad was in the hospital. Yeah. I basically watched the house while he was in the hospital. Did he pass away in the hospital or at home? Yeah, he passed away at the hospital. Oh, jeez. It was one of the worst nights. I mean, the the, the, yeah. the two the two nights my parents passed away are the two worst nights of my life. Like, I, I, don't, I don't really wish that upon my worst enemies. No. Seeing what I had to see yeah. in person and deal with, yeah, I know. Uh, it's 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 very traumatic. I mean, I remember for myself, my father was in a hospice. I actually saw him die. He was like holding on. I was like, "Listen, we love you. When you're ready to go, you can." I swear to God. I mean, he couldn't talk. He was in so much pain. He nodded, and then that was it. And I'm like, "Mom, he he he's he's gone," you know. And it's it sucks, man. It's just. Especially both your parents. I mean, I was thinking about you, too, and I was like, I don't know if I could deal with losing my mother, you know? 
when you're going through is fucking hell. You know it is, but like I was alluding to earlier, you have to find silver linings, Maddie. Because if if I can't find silver linings, why yeah. why would I want to live? Well, you live in the honor of your parents, and my dad always always say to me, like life is for the living. So that's kind of rough and and just tough to hear. But it's but it true. Is. You gotta live. You know, I've people lose their wives, they lose their children, and they go through immense pain, but they somehow find, yes, a silver lining, some sort of way to celebrate the people that they've lost. Exactly. And, I mean, your parents, you know, it, it, it's just brutal. It, it's it's a brutal, unfair year, and I'm happy they got 50 amazing years together, you know, and they raised five really awesome kids. And and those are silver linings right there, and and everything you said is true, and, and what your dad told you is true. We used to talk about that this summer. You know, my dad used to say to me, he'd say, you know, everybody dies, Andy. Yeah. And, and I hated it because it is brutal, and yep. it's true. And, yeah. And obviously I know that because I had already lost my mom. Mm. But when he would say that, I didn't like it, but I also was glad because in a way he's saying, look, man, I'm going to die someday. Your brother's. Yeah, you are. His point was that we're all going to die. And in a way, you have to make the most of what you have because nothing is guaranteed in life. And I've learned that this year. No. I mean, there's weird things like you can live a 30, 40 years and some crazy tragedy will happen and it will just fuck your life up. It'll turn your, your life upside down. You can live the most normal life and something you know, in life, ne- you never have it figured out, you know, and unfortunately, death is a is a part of life. And as we get older, we see more of it. And, I, and unfortunately, it's like I've become desensitized to death. You know, I remember when I was in high school, I think I was like 16, no, like 14. A senior died. He got in a car accident. He died. I remember seeing him like, you know, we never were friends, but, you know, I knew him. I was His brother was in my grade. And I couldn't sleep. It was like the worst bizarre thing ever. And now, like, you know, you just hear people dying that you know. I've had two of my best friends die. My father died. It's just like, it's just like, ugh. It's just part of life. And it sucks. And it's, it's, you find, like, like you said, like a silver lining or some way to uh, just honor them and somehow be better because of them or take what, they were great about and put it in your own life and yeah and that doesn't mean that's going to be easy no, you, you know this first time it's not no. it's it saying there's you need to find silver linings and some sort of good that comes from bad doesn't mean it's easy because like i said like i'm emotionally i'm gone at times well let me ask you a question are you doing you taking weed you taking any kind of medication you able to sleep at night? You know, I can sleep. I can sleep all right. I, you know, I've been seeing a therapist for a little over a year now. Yeah. You look like you've been working out. Like you look like jacked. No, I, I, I was running a lot. I actually haven't been running as much. I've been. I, you look good, though. Thanks. Like, like you look like in shape and shit. Yeah. Like I mean, I, the crazy thing is I haven't been eating much ever, ever since my dad got sick. I've had no appetite. Yeah, I I lost it a few times. 
I lost it through my breakup. Like, I just stopped eating. Yeah. No, it, it messes with you. Like, I, I was noticing that when my dad was in the hospital. I was so stressed out. Yeah. You know, those 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 21 days where he was in the hospital were just, they were just awful. And you can't even visit him. Yeah, I couldn't visit him till the last week, but he was, you know, yeah. on a ventilator in a mm. medically induced coma. I, yeah. I, I want to explain that to people. I don't think people fully realize that. Just so you guys know, when somebody goes on a ventilator, and I had to witness it with both my mother and my father, which sucks. Yeah. When somebody goes on a ventilator, that means you know the tube is down their throat, and they're also in a coma, a medically induced coma. But you can't talk to them. I mean, you can. There's people who believe that they can. Can they, can they like nod or anything? No. I mean, look, there's different opinions on can they hear you. Yeah. Uh, I, I like to believe that they can, and I treated it that way for both yep. my mom and my dad. Sure. But it's it's really difficult to see. It's really difficult to see. And, you know, my dad was in a not a good state, both parents, and, and seeing them like that is – it's just truly traumatizing to witness that for a week and just see – you see them, but it's not them, if that makes sense. It, it looked, when my parents passed away, it looked nothing like how they looked. Yeah, physically. I mean, I, I went, you know, my father, same thing. It's just, you know, being in a hospice the last few days, you know, it's just, it's sad. It's just. How long did your dad, like, how long, how long did your dad have cancer, Matty? Well, they gave him six months, and then he died in six months, exactly. And it was like, at first, he's like, I'm going to fight it, I'm going to beat it. But chemo was so nasty that you just kind of give up. Like, I felt like after a few months, he's like, okay, I'm just going to sleep. Because he slept maybe 20 hours a day. I spent a lot of time with him, and he just slept all the time. He just he couldn't stay awake. So he just started deteriorating and deteriorating. I was just like, all right, fuck the chemo. It's not. It's just making it worse. And... uh you know, when they give you the last few days, you're just you're just seeing a guy in a bed, and and that's it. You know, you just can't really do anything, can't eat. You're just you're just waiting time. You know, and then like family members are taking time just looking at him. And uh, you know, it's 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 very surreal. I had a lot of dreams about him. I had like dreams where he was confused. I had dreams where he was happy. And after the dream he had where he was happy, I never had a dream about him again. Really? Yeah. I mean, I had a lot of dreams about my buddy Angelo who died. I'll never forget one. I don't know. Have you had dreams about your parents? Or Yeah, I have. One really weird one with Angelo was he was my friend who died. He was a comic. He died from a drunk driver. Uh, very funny. Very yeah. funny. I was with him and his mom. And he was just being really silly. And I said to him, I go, do you know what happened to you? I was like, I got to tell him what happened to him. And he looked at me like like he didn't want to know. And that was the end of the dream. Like he looked at me like, don't tell me. When did you have that dream? Probably about a month after he died. Because a lot of people tell me they have the same dreams about their friends or their family members. You know, like it's almost the same themes. Yeah. So... With my father, it was a lot of, like, at first anger and then a lot of happiness. And it was almost like he, in my opinion, maybe he came to terms with death. I mean, I'm not one for supernatural shit, but 
I think I'm not going to dismiss it. And at the same time, we think like we dream and we feel what we want so bad because we hurt so bad and we want things and we want to think that they're still with us and we can make a lot of shit up in our heads. Well, I personally, I find a lot of power in dreams and I, maybe I take too much of them to heart. No, I, I wouldn't because they're connections. I've had a lot with my mom and sorry, that's all good. Do you want to stop the show for a second? Uh, hey, Jack. That's my nephew. Hey, Jack. What's going on, buddy? We're doing a podcast. He, he walked in the most intense yeah. co- podcast ever. I know. He's got my Parmesan cheese. Thank you. You want to leave it? You want to say hello to the people? Say something. That's Andy. Oh, he's a little nervous. It's all good. Yeah. Thanks, Jack. Jack's Jack's got a great haircut. I want Jack's hair. Jack had longer hair, and then he cut it, but it was so cool. Yeah. Bye, Jack. He loves me. We we play football a lot. He's going to be a good football player. His is he, fa- is his, he better than you at age three? Oh, yeah. He can throw the ball. Yeah? His father's 6'3", so he's got a shot. But anyway, sorry about that. All good. You you were you, we were talking about dreams. Yeah, I was saying my mom's coming to me in a lot, and I almost feel I don't almost feel I know she has come to me when I'm struggling the most, when I'm having the worst week, or yeah. emotionally I'm a mess that week or that day. Sure, and it's like she knows. Like I believe in that stuff. She knows, you know, that she's gonna be there for me. Yeah. And uh Yeah, we'll okay. be back. Thank you. Jack's a little helper. Oh, he loves me. Look at that. He's look a little how, ham. Look how strong he is. Yeah. Bye, Jackie. He's a funny kid. He keeps saying uh stupid in school. He gets in trouble. He's in school already? Yeah, he just says stupid, stupid. He's not allowed to say it. It's funny what kids say. My, I have, so I have three nephews and nieces that are age eight. Yeah. And two of them are twins. And after my dad's eulogy, I said to them, what did you think? And they said, you said three bad words in church. Yeah. And I said, what? They go, you said the A word, because I did say ass. They mm. said, you said the H word, which was hell. Yeah. And then they go C word. And in my head, I'm thinking cunt. Yeah. And a bad word for them was crap. I thought it was going to be cock. <laughs> you, th- you thought I would say cock in church? No, I'm joking. But the dreams, so your mom's dreams, she's there for you when you need her the most. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I believe it. And look, I think sometimes we do overanalyze our dreams. And I sometimes talk about my dreams with my therapist. But, you know, at the end of the day, I think they're, they happen for a meaning or yeah. for... for a reason? Of course. I I believe it too. I mean, look, we're we're I think we're on the same page that like there's supernatural stuff. Maybe like you're not going to like say no, but agnostic. That's the yeah. agnostic. Yeah, we're probably in the same boat. Like I was never into that shit. Like I'm not into UFOs, I'm not into ghosts or any of that stuff. But then weird shit starts happening. And then you're like 
I can't explain this. Well, look, I was raised tra- a traditional Catholic religion. Yeah. Tr- Catholic schools my whole life. Went to church every week with my parents. I went to church every weekend this summer with my dad. Yeah. I don't have to agree with it. It was more nah. supporting him, and I know it made him feel good that I would get up every Sunday morning and go to 930 Mass with him. Yeah. Is the Catholic Church a mess? Yeah. Is there massive amounts of pedophiles? Yes. Like, look, I'm not denying that those things aren't real, but if it makes my old man feel better and that brings me closer to him. Of course. Then I don't think it's an issue. But let me ask you a question. When you have a dream about your mother, do you just think it's you or do you think there's like some sort of connection? It's a good question. I think maybe sometimes it's me, but then sometimes... I 100% think it's I mean, my- the dreams are so vivid, right? So vivid. You know, one of the craziest things, I don't know if I ever told you this, like my old place, I had dial lights. Remember my lights are dials? Yeah. I So I wrote a book, and then I a lot of it was about my friend Angelo. So before the book came out, I'm just, I'm rereading the stuff I wrote about him because it was maybe, you know, still like a year after he died, and I was still very emotional about it. And I read it right before I went to sleep. I shut the lights off. Maybe 10 minutes lying in bed. The lights just completely go on. And I mean, I'm not going to say, I don't know. Yeah. But I, I, I'm not bullshitting. I have no reason to bullshit you. I have no way to make money off this or say this. I don't really go on t- you know, anywhere and tell about this, but that's what I experienced. And I can't say whether it's true or not, but I, I it's be- very odd. I do believe in that stuff. I, I think... The idea of a spirit coming to you and turning on the lights or messing with you, I think is very real. I can't, like, I I just... You can't prove it ever. No. And again, like, a lot of people tell you, well, your imagination wants to believe these things because you're hurting so bad. You, it's like your mind tricks you into... You know, like, your vivid dreams and this and that. It has to be something more. So... At my parents' house. Yeah. If you're in the shower and you flush a toilet or turn on the, the dishwasher or the washing machine. Cold? Yes. The water will get instantly cold in the shower. The morning of my dad's funeral, I'm the only one in the house. Mm-hmm. There's no one else there. There's no one to flush the toilet, run the dishwasher. I'm taking a shower. This has never happened in my entire life being at my parents' house. Ice cold? Out of nowhere, it gets ice cold for like 20 seconds. See, that's like, I would be think like, he's like, yeah, I just want to fuck with Andy a little just to tell him I'm still around. And that's what I'm saying. Yeah. It's the, just kind of fun. But it, if it's true, I, who knows? Who knows? Maybe something happened which caused the water to be cold. But, yep. but I just find it interesting that in my entire life of ever being at that house, and that's a moment you'll never forget the rest of your life. It's never gotten cold unless those... Somebody's there. Um, yeah, unless somebody flushed a toilet, yep. turned on the washing machine, or turned on the dishwasher. Yeah. And nobody was there. And it just got cold. And that could be my dad being like, hey. He's having a little fun with you. I know it's going to be a rough morning for you, and we're going to bury me, and you have to get up in front of people and... Talk about my life, and yep. it's not going to be easy. But I'm I think being, I think in that moment, if it's if it's real, he's just having a little f- like he's just like it's like a practical joke, you know. 
Like, just like, hey, I'm still your dad, and I'm having fun with you. And my dad had a wicked sense of humor, man. Yeah. You know, the last time I spoke to my dad, it was well, on, He it, has to, because you're such a whack job. And then, like, I've never really seen pictures of him younger, and he looked like you. Yeah, we looked a lot alike. And he has, like, this kind of, like, I'm a fucking wacky guy. You know, like, I'm going to do some dumb shit. Like, at a party, he's the type of guy that will do something really silly. So my, my dad came, he basically came from nothing, both my parents. Yeah. He, he, he grew up in the Great Depression. He was born in 1943, mm. and his, his family is very poor. Oh, he's Cincinnati? Yeah, on the west side in White Oak, mm. which is the western side of town. Like, my dad had to buy his own first bicycle. You know, it's like they had no money. Yeah. Uh, so he always was working. He, he was, a, you know, I talked about this in the eulogy. He was a self-made man. Yeah. But he had, God, he had a sense of humor. I'll, I'll share with the listeners this, which I shared. And he lived in Forrest Gregg's house. I think, you know, I think I was wrong on that. I think it was oh, the guy bummer. who, before Forrest Gregg, who didn't coach that long. Okay. Because Forrest Gregg was a good coach. Yeah, we, we, they bought the house from a Bengals coach. So... The last time I spoke with my dad was September 2nd, as far as when he was conscious. Yeah. He was in the hospital, and my little brother was FaceTiming him. Mm. And my dad didn't know I was at my little brother's house. So my little brother yells downstairs. I'm playing with his kids in the basement. Hey, I'm on with dad. Come up. And I come upstairs, and my dad's in the hospital. And the minute he saw me on the screen, he goes like this. And he gives me the middle finger. That's beautiful. And that was my dad. Yeah. And then I said to him, Dad, how are you doing mentally? And he said verbatim, Andy, I have a catheter in me. I haven't bathed in three days. I'm disgusting. And I'm stuck in a hospital. I'm doing awful. Stop asking stupid questions. That's pretty funny. And, th and that was my dad. Like, he busted my balls Definitely more than any of his sons. But you know what? My brother Greg put it best. He goes, Dad busts your balls more than us because he knows you can take it. Yeah. And, you know, I think I can handle it. I have pretty thick skin. I'm, I'm sensitive for sure, but I, yeah. have, but I have thick skin too. And, and, and that was it, Maddie. That was, that was our relationship. And I, I, like, I love that. Like, I love that memory. Like, I know it sounds crazy. My last memory speaking with my dad is him giving me the middle finger. That was our relationship. Yeah. Uh, it's sad. I mean, he seemed like a funny guy. And, and you're, he, you, he had to be because you're such a character. I mean, the, the, the fruit always comes close. So, you know, I was a lot like my father. My father was a fucking maniac. You know, always getting in trouble and stuff and being an idiot. And I kind of like, you know, I remember when I was a kid in high school, my dad was like, you don't have to do a homework. Just don't be a jackass like I was, you know. He just didn't like when I acted up in class. And, you know, I could see your dad being a goofball. I, I just from the videos, it was like it was fun. It was it's it was very beautiful to watch you guys together. And I just knowing that he lost his wife and. Uh, I don't know, man, it's. It's 2020. It's a it's the most fucking bizarro year, and it's like a bizarro year personally, and then like the world too. And yeah, well, you, you know, for me, it's 
it's a year that I have to just keep fighting myself and like I said, looking at ways to find some sort of silver lining. And I think I'm doing all right with that. And I think for the most part, I've, I have prepared myself. You can never prepare yourself. I'm going to take yep. that back. But I have done necessary steps is what I'm going to say in the last three or four years, maybe even five years of my life to try to improve who I am as a person to help me with this stuff. And my parents have also paved that way. You know, people say, like you're talking, people say all the time, I don't know how you could deal with losing two parents in eight months. And I say, look, my parents raised me. They did a damn good job raising me. Yeah. And if anyone can handle this, it it's gonna be me and my brothers because my parents. They, I think a nice lady's gonna be very good for you. I mean, like here's the thing: you, I, I look at like I got to meet some of your college friends in Vegas. So like Jesse is probably like your best college friend, I'd say. Yeah, he's one of them for sure. And he loves you, and and you're kind of like you were seen kind of like yeah, Andy's a dickhead, but that's Andy. You know, Andy's going to like, we're going to go to a bar and he might start a fight with some guys, you know. No, I was not the fight. Type. I was not, not really a fight, I might but show might say dick. something yeah. or show his dick or get us thrown out of the bar. Sure. But that's Andy. We love him, you know, like, you know, and, and it's a lot about you because you can be a little crazy, you know, when you were younger and stuff, but your friends still always had your back. You know, they still loved you and you loved them. And that that's always what I saw. And it is a weird time because you almost live like through your parents and the idea of like you want them to be at your wedding. Sure. Well, now they're not going to be there. You want them to see your children or you want them to be grandchildren or grandparents. And it's they, if you have children, they'll never see them. So it's hard. It's 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 so much more emotional in that sense, you know? Well, I agree, but you know what? My therapist said something which I loved because it's true. Yeah. Don't get too caught up in the physical of right now. Yeah. His point was just because your parents aren't here physically doesn't mean they're not there. And, and that I, is very true. It is true. And trust me, I struggle with that. It's not easy. I struggle with knowing that some of my nephews and nieces didn't get what I deem enough time with their grandparents that sucks it but does. it really sucks and that's that's the tearjerker for me that's the one that gets me very emotional yeah and crying a lot thinking about that but they're still here and you still have to live through them and i st dude my parents might not be here i still want to live a life where they'd be proud yeah of course and and you're doing good and i i imagine you're still going to do dirty sports yeah we are and, uh, you know, I did what show with Joe, and it was fun. I thought it was great. The thing about Joe, and here's the thing, I and we, we I think, like, I don't want to get into politics, but we, I, I think we disagree on a lot of stuff, you know? Like, we probably should never talk about politics, me and Joe. And I love the guy. And, and like, doing the show with him was great because I felt, I didn't know what was going to happen. You know, I didn't know because sometimes... You know, he can be confrontational or something or like, you know, we can, you know, even sports, we disagree on a lot of shit, you know? Yeah. And uh, I felt like through COVID and what you were going through and stuff, 
it was like, dude, let's just like we've been through the trenches. You know, I've been to sporting events to Joe. We got to meet Michael Irvin. We got to go to the NFL Network. We've done these Super Bowl shows, which were crazy. You know, I've done stand-up shows on the road with Joe, and it was like whatever little friction we've ever had or, like, as he calls it, beef, it was just like we just put that shit aside and we just smiled at each other and we just talked, you know, we had fun, and and it felt really good. And I was, I I had a lot of fun that day because I didn't know what was going to happen. And I I know he's he's got your back, too, you know. I know he's probably hurt for you so much. I know he lost his father not too long ago, and... You know, I just I thought it was very sweet when I did it. And it was like, you know, I I, it's kind of funny, like my world in dirty sports. It's weird. It's like. Like I say, there's bands like like I I always I'm not going to well compare myself to David Lee Roth. Van Halen. Yeah. So it's like with Van Halen with David Lee Roth, there's been about three or four times like, yeah, he's never coming back. Fuck him, you know. Like, yeah, he's not coming back. Yeah, we're never going to work with that guy again. And I felt like we've, I've had that with Dirty Sports a few times. Sure. And then I always come back. And it's I always love it. And it's always like this weird marriage. But I think through, like, hardships like this, I don't think we'll ever have friction again. You know, I just think we'll always love each other. And, you know, I love Joe deeply and I love you deeply. And, and uh, somebody, like, you know, when I had that bad breakup, somebody gave me good advice. They're like, Dude, it was like a three-year part of your life, and it's just like a blimp on the radar. Like, it's just a tiny little thing. But every part of life is a chapter, and Dirty Sports was a great, like, three-, four-year chapter in my life. I had so much fun. Look, man, I think you make great points. Yeah. I think through tragedy, it does bring people together. I've seen it with my brothers and I, some of us who maybe weren't the closest, have only gotten closer through this year. And you're right. I think this has been such a mentally and physically exhausting year for all of us. Everybody in this world yeah. that we can put the bullshit aside. Yeah. And I thought that was – I'm not just saying this. I thought that was a great episode. I thought you guys did great. I was I was proud. I needed it. I and, really didn't know what was going to happen. And th- that was such a stressful time for me. Yeah. And listening to that and you mispronouncing oh, yeah, Eric's, Spolestra, Eric Spolestra yeah. gave me so many much-needed laughs, man. That's not shtick either. I get names wrong all the time. I know it's not shtick. But that's why it's even funny. I just milk it. It's fun. And, and, you know, Joe gets it and he's, you know, we had fun together. And I love Tug and Tug hits me up all the time. And, you know, he, he's a great guy. And I'm sure you've talked to him a lot about He's probably a great guy to talk to about this shit, you know. A great shoulder to cry on. No, Tug's great too. Like the, yeah. the whole the whole Dirty Sports family, and obviously I've said it so many times on Dirty Sports. Yep. The listeners They're the best. Go above and beyond with sweet, compassionate messages and They've grown up too. They have. Because when I started like the first two times, like you better you better know what they want or else like Twitter's gonna fucking you know, like, get Matty off, never put him on ever again. And then, you know, there's some guys that, uh, you know, have gone on and they've done a couple of guest shows with you. And it's, you know, they become famous for not being kind of dirty sports. 
you know, what you guys are looking for, what they're looking for. And then, like, something clicks, and I write back everyone. Like, you know, they'll ask me all types of questions from, like, music to, like, who do you like today? What's the spread? What do you like? What what games you betting on? And they're all just great kids. They really are, you know? Like, they're probably a little younger than me, but they're all awesome. And I can just imagine, like, them being really understanding and compassionate, you know? Yeah, like I said, it, it was... It's been absolutely uh, overwhelmingly good yeah. in a positive way. And I think that's one of the main things that has helped me keep it together. I want to I ask you, though. Yeah. You asked me about my future. What is the Maddie Goldberg future? See, I, well, I want to be a pro poker player. Like, I, I really – this is all, like, for another Dent report – but I've, I've found Maddie, this is the last one ever. Okay. So I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll let it all out. I've, I've realized that comics that are kind of going on the other way, like just didn't make it. The ones who are getting political. Well, not even political, but the ones that are kind of getting phased out. I don't want to say any names because. You don't have to say names. Yeah. But a lot of them that are getting like phased woke? out. No, they're going the other way. They're getting into like conspiracy theories and shit like that. Oh, so so Sam Tripoli. I know I don't want to mention any names. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I do not want to mention any names. It's fine, <laughs> it's fine. Okay, so a guy like what? Well, I, I don't want to mention any names. It it coincides. I he probably won't listen to this. Maybe he will, but it coincides with your stuff is starting to fall like your your the spots you were getting it are not happening anymore and i realized that with myself too like well, well hold on can i hop in here real quick sure no no spots are happening yeah Com- but even before my, my point is comedy has basically been dead there has not been a show at an la comedy club the laugh factory but i'm saying I'm, show, I, since march 12th i made this decision before covid okay I the last con I did a show on the road in the middle of California and it was great. I got paid a couple hundred bucks. The people were so nice. It was awesome. And then the last show I did happened to be at a hot dog stand in Eagle Rock, which is a tiny little hamlet in LA. And it sucked. There was like six people. There was these two hosts and I was telling you before, they're like talking shit about Bill Burr. They're younger. They've been doing comedy for like a year, and they're like, "Yeah, Bill Burr is a misogynist piece of shit." And I'm like, "How dare you? Like, how dare you be a year into this and go after a guy that's been in the trenches for twenty fucking years? Top top ten, easily top five all time comedy. And forget about that. Probably spent six years in Boston, like doing the worst fucking gigs. I I remember when he did a gig. He used to do a gig where they put him on a bus." For, like, Yankee fans to go to, like, the World Series. I forget what it was. And then they would have him, like, entertain people. And they would, like, throw shit at him. You know, like, he's been through the trenches. He's taken, you know, like, to get where he has to get, like, you do not know the work ethic or the the years he's put into it, whether you like his comedy or not. And it's just, like, how do these guys go after him? And it's like a different generation. And because I, they suck. Well, first of all, going after any comic in your own stand-up set is just odd. And Well, that's why I felt like it's a different generation and I don't really fit in. And I felt like I wasn't having as much fun as I was before. And I, I, I 
I was getting very upset by not moving up the ladder and I was getting angry. And I'm like, I don't want to feel that anger anymore. Smart. Like, I don't want to like, I don't want to look at what other people are getting because you would get so mad when this person got this and you weren't getting it. And I was just like, I don't want to feel that anymore. So then I kind of transitioned to poker and I started doing really, really well. I'm in a little slump right now, but I know I'll get it back going. But when the casinos open up, I hope to be a tournament player and kind of go from there and just kind of like. Well, you have you have you have a you have such a interesting look that there's there's massive TV appeal for you. Well, that's what I hope to do. Like, I really hope to hit a tournament and get on TV and be a character. I have it like all planned out. Some of my shenanigans and I'm already like a character. We there's so many Zoom games like tonight. I'm playing a Zoom game. And, you know, I've become a character, you know, because they're just so, like, weirded out by me. And, like, you know, I, I, I say weird. I I pretend to be really weird to throw people off. Like, well, You don't they, have to pretend. You are weird. Yeah, but I want people to think, like, he doesn't know what he's doing. He's just a fucking weirdo. But I think they figured out I know what I'm doing. Well, well so. Matty, my, my, my advice is do what you're doing then. If... If you want to follow poker yep. and you're not feeling stand up and you don't want to feel those emotions of and that's frustration I, or jealousy or whatever, it is, I, <laughs> I think that's smart. Look, because I, I'm on the same page right now. I I would say I'm gonna do whatever feels best and, for whatever my life is. And I see so many of these guys that had things going on and then it didn't happen. They go to this like angry place or they're posting shit on Facebook how things are unfair, this, that. Yeah, don't like, go there. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I'm just going to gracefully go away. Good. It's not my generation. Don't go there. And, you know, you never know. Like, Ronnie Dangerfield quit like this, and then he came back. Like, you know, so I, 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 I always will have it. Like, I always feel like I can just go on stage and do my thing. But as far as the business, the business has changed so much. Well, it's dead right now. It is dead. And, it, and unfortunately, it is. I'm going to get in a lot of trouble with this, but... It's comedy is like an extension of activism and you better be completely political to a certain way if you want to make it on television or get a push. And I was never I feel like they've kind of phased out the freaks of comedy, like the guys that just talk about like self-deprecating shit. It's like, yeah, we're not really using those guys anymore. I don't fully agree with you because what's good is if you're talented you don't need that shit. Agree. Because you have you have access to people on Instagram, Twitter, YouTube. You can create your own fan base. And this isn't this isn't the seventies or eighties where you gotta get past in the well, night show and, with and Johnny that's the Carson. Thing. And that's the thing, like one of the guys I really like and I'm sure you like is Tim Dillon. Oh Tim Dillon's great. And he's a guy that knows like because of like he goes both sides and he doesn't give a fuck and he just speaks his truth and sometimes his truth isn't what, you know, the networks want to hear. And Tim Dillon's making a killing. Yeah, he knows, like... He's a massive exactly. fan base. Yeah. And so he, he realizes he's going to make it out of the system. But that's what that's my point. It's 2020. Is, is the system is... What's been so fascinating to me through the pandemic and through, basically, the two meccas of stand-up, which are New York and L.A., Right, like New York and LA for the entire world, that's where stand up is. And those have 100% been shut down now for six months 
almost seven months. What people are learning is they don't have to be here. And that's why all these guys are moving. All these heavy hitters and big names well, are we've moving. We've been talking about it for months because I was like, Joe Rogan's going to open a comedy club in Austin. You know, like he's going to be like, hey, come out here. We'll have these comedy clubs that are uncensored. You don't have to abide by like the real, real, like politically correct thing that's going on. And people will really appreciate it because. I talk to people about stand-up comedy, like my buddy Danny LaBelle, you know, we he's he doesn't really do stand-up anymore, and he's unfortunately gone to this place on Facebook where he's more Republican, and everybody sees him as this, like, crazy alt-right psychopath, and, you know, like, he gets unfriended, at, like, hundreds of people unfriend him, and then people write about how he's a fucking crazy person, and he is crazy. But a lot of this is frustration that he never made it, you know, and it, it, it stems from like, I still need my attention. And it's a slippery slope. It, it really is. It, I'm glad you brought that up. So I haven't posted on Facebook coming up almost two years. Yeah. And on my personal Andy Ruther Twitter, I think this is the longest I've gone. I haven't posted on my Andy Ruther Twitter account. Since I believe like September fifteenth or sixteenth. Yeah. And you know what you want to hear something? Yeah. It's been amazing. It's liberating. It it is it, it's it's absolutely liberating. And I know I'll go back to posting or writing yeah. jokes, but it's been an interesting trial, which I didn't do on purpose. I was obviously going through a lot with my dad mm. and I didn't feel a need. And, yeah. I, and I did post some pictures of my dad about a week after he passed away on Instagram. But my point is it truly is liberating, and I've said, I don't need this shit. I still have a podcast. I still watch sports. Yep. I can give my opinions in that 90 to 2 hour podcast. Again, I'm going to go back to that, but you're right. It's, it is extremely liberating. It's, it's so weird. I'll bring up Danny again because we were roommates in New York City, and it's probably like, 2008 right before I moved to LA or 2009 he goes you gotta check out this website he goes it's called Twitter I go what the fuck is this he goes it's fun you just write like a joke as a comedian you write a joke and then you can say like hey I'm performing here and I was like oh it's kind of cute whatever I didn't know I don't think anybody could predict what Twitter became I mean Twitter sure I have it because it's like you're you you almost like it's a good news source. It's a good news source, but it's also like I'll be in a zone where I'm like playing poker and I'm on Zoom with a bunch of guys. We're having fun. We're goofing off. We're just being silly, and life seems okay. And then you go on Twitter, and then you see like what's going on, or this, or this is going on, or this person sucks, and let's kill this person, and this person is a piece of shit, and. You know, or this is happening, and this there's a riot going on. And you're just like, it's just hard sometimes. Like it's 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 a burden now of like bad news, and it's a burden of a place where like people just get destroyed. Well, look, sometimes rightfully so, and sometimes not. We're all. Con- I think something to remind all of ourselves is we're all in control. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want to be a celebrity now, by the way? Like, what is, like if you say anything people don't agree with, you get death threats. 
I and and another thing is like I can't stand Amy Schumer. Never liked her personally, never thought she was funny. But when the first riot happened, she was put on a panel by P. Diddy for like what's going on and stuff, and she was the only white person. And every comment doesn't matter what color, race, ethnicity, whatever, was like, she's a fat pig. Every person was like, she's gross. Why is she here? She's so disgusting. She looks terrible. And I'm like, I don't really care for Amy Schumer, but, like, I actually felt sorry for her. Like, imagine you just, like, go on Twitter and your name, there's thousands of people saying you're just disgusting. Well, you can't. Like, like you, you basically, you have to block that out. I know it's not easy. I mean, it's insane. There's a lot of anger. Let, let, let's look at this. Let, let, let's look at it. You have a global pandemic. Yep. You have a political divide unlike any that I've seen in my lifetime. Absolutely, yeah. You have a polarizing president unlike any I've seen in my lifetime, mm-hmm. which then creates more of that divide with the right and the left. Yep. It's, it's, it's all these factors coming together to create so much anger, and you talked about what's helped me. You know what's helped me, dude? You know what's yeah. helped me? People always ask me, what has helped you the last few years? So many people say, man, you've calmed down so much. You've relaxed so much. Yeah. You know what's helped me? I can, I can line them up. It's pretty easy. Therapy. And running. Writing in a journal. Yeah. On a regular basis. Reading. Weed. Running. Hold on. Oh, sorry. Sensory deprivation, I still do that mm-hmm. through my float labs. Yeah. And exercise. Yeah. It's it, it's it's really like I just listed five th- five simple things have completely mellowed me out. Yeah. And and I'm learning, and I still have my moments where I'm a jackass or I get angry or frustrated. But like, I don't know, man. Like, mental health is so important now. I tell people so too, important. like I tell people who are like, I, I feel like unmotivated or I want to do this or I'm trying to get acting work. I'm like, what are you talking about acting work? There's no acting work. I'm like, just feel somewhat happy because it sucks right now. What's the future, Matty, that you're bringing up acting? I, I, like, can't, I, got, I like, can't answer it because. Because I, I think legit, I'm not trying to do doomsday. Yeah. I, I think legit, I'm just going to say it. I think the city of Los Angeles is fucked. I think everything figures itself out, and I'm trying to be positive. Like, I lived in uh, New York City during 9-11, and I've, you felt the same tension as I do now because every weekend they're like, we're co- I, do you remember, like, the Code Oranges and shit? Yeah. So they're like, we're at Code Orange, which is like, yeah, we're, they're telling you, like, a subway might blow up this weekend. So you have to live every weekend knowing that, like, they're warning us that, like, yay, man, you go out, something might happen somewhere. We're we're at high alert, you know? I just don't think it compares. And I'm not trying to take away what you're saying. What, dealing with a global pandemic. That That is that is true. It doesn't matter the city, I, I, the country I do, you go to. I, I want to be positive, and I try to take one day at a time because it's too painful not to. And, I, of course, like, I self-medicate every night. I get completely stoned. And I've gotten like I watch like eighties wrestling to escape. Uh, you know, I just like to escape, like because it's just sometimes it's just too much of the news. Yeah. And, and sports coming back has been great. I agree. Uh, 
But as far as like the future, I mean, I, I, I'm not positive, but I'm I I can only take one day at a time because to think about it is extremely overwhelming. Well, it is. I, and the reason I bring up Los Angeles, obviously, I'm leaving, and I want the best. You're going to be here. Yeah, a lot of our friends are going to be here. My my point is, the economy is absolutely been been that is true just crippled i mean and i lost a lot of money i was you know i was a dog guy so i lost four hundred dollars a week you know and i was able through poker i survived for seven months now things are getting tough right now but i was i was killing it for a while and you i i have trouble sleeping because it's like to sustain my life, I got to win tournaments. And it's like, it, it gets on you. But I can't even think about the future because I want to think everything figures itself out. We get a vaccine. We go back to normal life eventually. But I, the way the news cycle is, I can't tell you what's going to happen tomorrow. It's so insane. Look, I, I think things will eventually correct themselves for sure. But again, yeah. I, I think policies, awful policies by a lot of these big cities yeah i mean look are, 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 hold on are, yeah. are only now the spotlight is on bad policies that are only heightened now through the pandemic which has caused not only a health but an economic just absolute you know i mean it's very scary because at the same time you, you know people need to live and and you know, people like whatever they like to look forward to is is the most important thing in their life. So if you're a trivia guy and you go to the a same bar every Wednesday and do trivia and you see your friends, and you have a couple yeah. of beers and you have a shitty day job like that Wednesday night, you know, to have that taken away from you for everybody is fucking brutal. And and it's. I, I don't want to get too political with the cities. I mean, I'm very lucky. My sister is crushing it. So, like, our but, family's but, but, in good but it, shape. It's, it's not political because I don't have a party. Yeah. The facts are the facts. Every major city is extremely left-leaning. Well, they don't know what to do. And they, every, they're, they're, No, they're, but, but hold on. And every major city run by uber-liberal policies is a fucking nightmare. Like, like, like this, this isn't me... I'm not saying that the other side would be any better, for the record. Because yep. I, I don't know. Sure. I don't know if Republicans would do better. But my point is, the these the policies that were created, again, nobody saw a global pandemic. That's why, like, for me, it's, it's interesting. That's why I say, like, what happens to some of these cities? You take a city like Los Angeles. I can't answer that. Well, well I don't expect I, either I, of us I, to answer I, that. I... I I fear from because they are declining and I don't you know, feel safe in this city for the record. It, yeah, it's like it's weird because what you're hearing about is more people in very nice neighborhoods are like getting attacked or they don't feel as safe as they once did. And but but here's the thing, we're all in control of ourselves, whether yep. it's going on social media or moving, and that's my point. Well, the other thing too about it is like that's we, why I'm moving. Well, we talked on the phone is like, you know, I lived in Brooklyn. And I paid a lot of money for rent, but in a tiny little shitty place with, with my roommate. But you're paying for the city. Sure. You're paying for the for the girls. You're paying for the best restaurants, the nightlife, the comedy, the life. The sure. Every, so you're like paying for that. So it's worth it. 
So why pay for it when you you don't have that anymore? Well, that's the the, the playing field's been leveled, and you're right, and that's why people are leaving. And New York City is the the worst example, even worse than L.A. because De Blasio is the worst mayor ever. And you know, whether you don't like the rich yuppies or not, they're the ones that put the money in the city. Yeah. And when you chase them out, they're gonna go to Florida and they're gonna say fuck you. And I know you're trying to be like you know show like you you're not you know like you don't care about the rich and they've had it too good for too long. But they're the ones that keep the city going. You know, they're the ones that spend money at the restaurants and employ people. And when you push them out, you're fucked. I mean, that's why Cuomo, who's not another not bright guy, was like begging for them to come back. And they're like, well, why the fuck should we come back? You've like destroyed the city for us. Yeah, it's 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 really we we are at a at a interesting spot in history and i agree with you for the most part i I think things do correct themselves um but i think some of these corrections are going to take a long long well i think i i do believe trump has to go i i just think he puts fire on the he, he like, he puts gasoline on the he fire. He puts gasoline on the fire. He does. He he thrives he thrives off division. And he's a mess and the whole covid thing is even like a mess. He's not faking it by the way. I know a lot of people think he's faking it. He has nothing to gain I by I think it's pretty it. serious by the way. Yeah. That, I think he's that in drug, deep shit. That drug he's on? Yeah. Redmosphere or Red I can't pronounce it. Yeah. My dad was on that. And and another thing he looked like death on the debate. Like he didn't I even told people, like, he looks tired and, like, his eyes are closed the whole time. Like, he looked a mess. And, uh, you know, I think I pray, like, if he when when Biden wins, things will calm down. Like, I just I just hope people's temperature. But I don't think sadly, I don't think it will, because, again, people are so brainwashed to pick a side like. Most people aren't. Well, the the weird thing about life is they want you to pick a side. Yeah, and another thing too is like when I was younger, politics were you were supposed to think about it like maybe one or two percent of the time. Like maybe around the election, you're like got into a candidate. And sure. Then like you could you could like work with like a Republican and a Democrat could work together and like talk about it for five minutes at lunch and not give a fuck afterwards. Just kind of like, yeah, well, this guy, this. And then just, like, forget about it. But now it's become, like, you can't be friends with anybody that you disagree with. with Family, whatever. But that's that's foolishness. That's that's ridiculous. I'm just saying what's going uh, on. No, but I know. But even in my own family with my brothers, there is distinct, extreme differences politically within my own siblings doesn't make me love somebody less or not want to be around them that this this notion that you can't date someone or be friends with someone who doesn't align with you ideologically i think is is actually a serious problem that is well that's the biggest thing on dating now when i'm on i'm on hinge how's hinge going for you eh. yeah you know i want to see your profile afterwards it's terrible but the point is, every girl says, you you know, the biggest deal breaker is Trump. Like, every girl. 
like you know, there's a thing like you but, should but, not. But, but see, that's my point. That you is, should not date me if, and it's always that, Trump. That is so closed-minded because there are the MAGA douchebags the that think he's the greatest thing ever. Then there's the people who vote for Trump who simply say, hey, he's going to be the best person to protect my money, to protect the economy, and they solely vote with their pocketbook. So this notion that they're going to eliminate somebody because they voted for Trump is the most base level of closed-mindedness. I would never not I would never not date somebody because they voted for somebody. I, I just think it's it's you are you are a simple-minded, sophomoric, basic person. Well, I mean, it's it's sad. I mean, that's what are you doing over there, Goldberg? Just checking my phone real fast. That's the temperature of the life, man. It's the it's it's the temperature of our times, and ugh, I mean, I see. Like I I am I don't vote, but I would vote for Biden. Um, I'm not a big fan of his, but I just think it's it will just calm things down a little, or a lot. But I don't like when people write that because I feel like, well, your mind is not open. You should be able to discuss things with everybody. You should be able to understand where people are coming from. And there's a lot of times I've dated people that I've totally disagreed with in politics. And yeah. We, we had a great relationship. Sure. But there's kind of this feeling like if your grandma doesn't agree with you, fuck them. If your goldfish doesn't agree with you, fuck them. They're dead to you. And you're just like, what? But again, you... you Look, that might be how people are, but just don't engage with those people. I won't. Like, like I'm I try not, not to. I, you, you know, if if someone has such a simple-minded view of life, that that is such a small prism that you view things that they always have to agree with you. It's it's completely and utterly ridiculous. Well, it's just more of politics has been so blown up. It's become like like the one person I don't like is AOC. I don't know if you like her or not. But one thing she really annoyed me, she says, brunch is over. And it's basically like, we have work to do. And I'm like, no, fuck you. I'm not working for you. You work for me. If we elect you, your job is for us to not think about politics and for us to enjoy our lives. And you're a politician and you take care of us in that sense. But we don't have to do anything for you. We don't have to put in work for you. Like, how dare you? Like, I'd want a candidate to be like, hey, man, like, I'm going to make sure you have brunch and you can relax and enjoy your life. Maybe I'll run for politics. Move back to Ohio. You should. It, go independent. You're a bright guy. I, I There was a dude. I mean, I'm not going to compare him to you because he was totally different. But he grew up in Woodstock and he was like this Marilyn Manson guy. <laughs> And he started calling, like, the public. I was, like, 18, so I used to watch public access. And he was always calling the public access show about politics. And, like, you know, he had, like, a lip ring. He had the whole fucking deal. Yeah, sounds definitely this like This is, like, me. 90s Marilyn Manson guy, whatever, fucking color hair. And then he really got into politics. And then he got his own show. And next thing I know, he's got a fucking suit and tie. His fucking lip ring is out. And he's... Like, I, I, I respected him because he wanted to do things the right way. He's like, I want things to change. I'm going to run for office and, and, and try to make change. I think you'd be great at it. 
you know, I uh, too many demons in my past. I I wouldn't do it. There's I too mean, many. There's too many demons. And also, that would be funny if you were running for something big and then they found out you shit in somebody's laundry in college. No, you know what my move would be? You you put it all out ahead of time. Yeah. You you, just, o- you openly talk about it. So that'd be your first speech. Like, I just want to let you know in college, I shit in somebody's laundry, <laughs> just so we can let it out, so nobody finds it. I was a dumb kid. I was stupid. I was drunk. That'd be pretty funny. I, I think I think that life is not one that looks very appealing to me. It's not because it, it's like that the people will love you, but the people it, it's like sometimes I, I I I like I'm not a big Ben Shapiro fan. I don't understand why he does it. Like, why do you do something where? People hate you so fucking much. But also, just as for every person that hates Ben Shapiro, loves him. That is true. But he's can polarizing. You take the hate. Like how he's making a lot of money off. That it. is true. But to take the fucking hate. Like I'm not even talking about him. Anybody from AOC to him to all these people. There's you can have people that love you, but the hatred. It's like it's like so weird. Like some I'll, people get off on it. It's it's you know you like wrestling. Yeah, it's it's the villain wrestler. But, but you're you're acting then. You know, it's like a wrestler is a bad guy. He goes, the more people hate me, I'm doing my job. Yeah. But if you're a politician, you know, or somebody that like talks about politics, or life, and you're so hated, it's like how do you how do you go on like? I'm, I would be so sensitive. That's why I never post on Facebook because I'm like, if I post something, I don't need somebody telling me like, oh, you suck at comedy. He has shitty opinions. I always thought he was a hack. I can't handle that shit. And I see that with my buddy Danny. It's like well, he posts all this controversial shit that he knows is going to piss everybody off. And then everybody just tells him he sucks. And then he's fat and and this and that. And he's stupid and he's dumb. And he, he always sucked at comedy. And... It's so mean. Well, look, you know yourself and you don't post and that's smart. Yeah. And that's the important thing is what makes us happy. At the end of the day, all this stuff, it's what makes you happy. And I know for me to kind of just bring it back there real quick. Yeah. I knew even before my dad got sick that going home was going to make me happier because I was happy this summer. Yeah, you were telling me, you're like, I feel relaxed. I feel refreshed. And I'm with loved ones, and I don't feel safe in Venice anymore, and I'm not digging the whole vibe of greater Los Angeles. That doesn't mean that I can't come back either. Like, I, you know what I'm saying? Like, it is bizarre with the tents. Like, there was a couple tents, like, five, six years ago, and now you just, like... Everywhere. Everywhere. I, it was weird. I hadn't been through this greater part of L.A., like, the greater city of it, and I finally did, like, a month ago, and it was, like, six months because... I basically had no reason to. I'm going to go, you, you know, because I'm near Hollywood tonight. Yeah. Like I'm not that far. I'm going to go do a little joyriding to get one last. And you'll see just thousands of tents. Where is it real bad? I know Joey Diaz was always talking about it. Is Everywhere. It, is it it's, on like Lancashire? It's it's like you don't have to even look. In, in Hollywood? Mean, yeah, I'm not sure. But I remember my I was in a car with somebody and I'm like, holy moly. Like there's it's like towns and cities. I remember a year ago doing a, like a, I did a bachelor party in Venice. I walk out the back door and these are like, there's like apartments and houses and there's rows of hundreds of tents. 
And I'm like, where did this come from? But again, Maddie, it goes back to my point of this is years of feudal policies yeah. and bad decisions. And look, dude, the, the proof is in the pudding. These decisions led to this, yep. and then you just you talk about gasoline on a fire. Then you had a global pandemic, unlike anything we've seen for a hundred years. Yep. It's just only exacerbated this whole process, and that's why for me this summer I was like, dude, I'm in the suburbs, I'm in a house. Obviously, I was hoping to be back with my dad again. Mm-hmm. It brought me so much peace and comfort yeah. to live that different lifestyle. Am I gonna miss the beach? Hell yeah. Am I gonna miss the weather? Yeah. Uh, dude, there's a lot of things I'm going to miss. In fact, I started a list of things I'll miss about mm. L.A., and I had like 50 things already. My prediction is you're going to meet a nice lady. I really think so. In like three months, you're going to be in a really good relationship again. And, uh, you know, you got sports, and you got the DS, and that's still – I mean, people still need sports, man. It's, sure. It's a beautiful escape. Well, look, man. Nothing, like I said, is guaranteed in life. No. And we all know that. So, you know, live every day like it's your last. And and enjoy the moments. Like exactly. tonight, I got these guys I like playing Zoom poker on. And I never met them before. And now I've become buddies with a lot of them. And we're totally different and all this shit. And I look forward to that because it's just, it's good to escape, you know. And it's, it's, life is really precious, man. It really is. When you think you have it figured out, you really don't. Yeah. You know? And, uh, I mean, I don't mean to get, I know it was like three years in the past, but, you know, my relationship with Miss Yukon, it really ended badly. And, you know, I thought she was the one. And I thought, you know, we'd get married and all that shit. And that, that was like a mind fuck because I thought I figured life out. And then it was like, when she left, I had to re-figure out life. And... I think you're going through that right now and it's very hard, but it doesn't, it's something where you can't beat yourself up. Like you can't like, you're like, all right, I got to do something new or I got to meet a girl or I got to have a kid. It's like, nah, just chill out, read a book, smoke a little joint. I agree. And that's, that's my point. That's why I was saying there's no pressure on me to do anything. No. And, and happiness is all that matters are just, well, not even happiness, but just, not feeling like you want to die or just being so fucking depressed. Just like your mental state is so important for everybody right now. Like one of the memes that I kind of agree that it's like, you don't have to write like a novel. You don't have to write a movie. You don't have to fucking do this. Just be happy right now. Yeah. And it's not always easy, but you can control My mom would always tell me you can control your own emotions to a degree. Yeah. And you can. Maddie, I'm so glad we did this. I'm glad. I, I, it's the one thing I was hoping we'd talk about is a little of like the, the reminiscing of the dirty sports days. But uh, you know, I, I always remember the, we had a lot of fun together, and well, look, Maddie, we this still will. Yeah, I was gonna say there, there's, there's no, yeah, end. There's no finality. I, I mean, I look you know, at we're it. gonna talk all the time, and and it's not like I'm never gonna be out here. And listen, man, I'll always cherish the fucking Vegas trips. Oh, we had I mean, we had trips. so much fun. Great trips. It was so insane. Do you remember Indian. how high I was that night? I'll never forget playing poker. <laughs> and and you were 
I, I went to Woodstock 94. Did I have that backpack on? Yeah, and there was a guy in Woodstock 94 <laughs> that we would always see. He was naked, and he, he had painted on his stomach, we'll trade food for acid. Amazing. And he'd wander around, and then like six hours later, you'd see him, and he'd just be like, like smiling with like sunglasses on, like, there he is again. What the fuck is wrong with that guy? You were that guy that night. You were just wandering around the casino with your fucking... So high. And you were just like, hey, <laughs> hey, I'm just walking around. It was pretty funny. I mean, I'll never forget, too, though, the, uh, when the girls were going at each other in the bathroom when we were doing a podcast. I thought that was pretty great a great uh oh, the, memory the, the girls going down on each other yeah well, we were doing a podcast and just like none of us could concentrate just hearing the moaning oh it was beautiful even joe like i felt like joe was very stoic and i could tell he was like hmm <laughs> like it even got to him to me i was like holy fuck i will say maddie those those Las Vegas trips during March Madness in particular, oh, they're so much fun. And your friends are great, and yeah. it was fun, and they were characters, and it was it was just fun, well, look, man. If, if they do March Madness this year... Yeah, you gotta come out. I'm sure they're gonna do it again. Yeah. Uh, that's a fun group to be around. I mean, you're watching guys throw chairs at TVs. I mean, you can't get better than that. Oh, they're just the... The smells of that bathroom from just... And the smudge shack. I mean, look, here's another thing, too. There's a guy that won't be named, and I'll, I'll wrap it up. I mean, my brother-in-law says that was the greatest show ever. He even likes the show that we got in a fight on. You know, he's like, it's good. My, brother, my brother-in-law's got a southern accent. So oh, you're, like, you're talking about the one with uh, the kid from Buffalo. Yeah. I mean, that was insane. He was such a dick. But it was insane. It was so insane. I mean, I'll miss the smut check. I it was a lot of fun there too. You know, we had I've been in that apartment since January of two thousand ten. I mean, I go back to before even when you did a podcast with the guy on the couch who I always liked and Sports Zoo. Yeah, and he was a fun guy and he was he was a good yang to your yang, but but Prano took it to the next level, like Yeah. Prano is a, he's we, we, he always we, says I talk shit about him, but I love him to death. I really do. Well, Maddie, this is the final Denton Report. I love you, buddy. We did it. I love you, man. I'm sorry I made you cry, man, but... Why are you apologizing for that? It's all right. I, I, Crying is good for me right it now. It is. You're a great dude, man. I, I'm sorry we had a few falling outs, but the beauty of life but is But that's that, all in the past. But that's the beauty of life, too, man. Yeah. I, I don't even look at that stuff. I don't even think about that stuff anymore. No. And it, it's just fun that we were able to always become friends again and just let that shit go. God, now I'm thinking about you at that in and out in Barstow. Oh, my God. So fucking high. <laughs> you couldn't even. I, I think there's a video out there. You couldn't even talk. I don't know what happened on the way home, but you were inedible. Every it, once in a while, I get like I have to pee every five minutes. And I felt like the whole way back, I was going to piss my pants. And I think I tried to piss on the side of the in and out. You did. Did I piss on the side? You're like, I just got to pee. Yeah, it was. they had a bathroom, too. I got a funny video. Oh, that was a great video, yeah. You're, like, talking about some mist or something? Oh, yeah, like we're in the fucking the movie The Mist and we're all going to die or something. It was weird. Like, you also had, like, a, a mixtape of, like, the same five songs. 
and it was just over and over and over and it was I was so high and that was like freaking me out because it was like there was a song with a harmonica that was slow I can't remember it but it would always come on and I always felt like I don't know man it was a weird fucking it was those were great trips yeah well guys we started it together we're gonna end it together this is the final dent report I love all the dent guys and all the dirt balls, and I'm sure a lot of them are going to hit me up. And, and you're going to be on Dirty Sports again. So oh, it's, cool. Yeah, so whatever. It's, there's no finality to that. All right, guys. Thank you for the support on this show. We're back, and then we're ending it at the same time. Be nice. Be merry. Tell people you love them. See you later, guys. <laughs>